0: Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. Well, today we do want to get into God's Word and let it speak to us. I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 1. And I'll read verses 12 uh, through the beginning of verse 18 here in uh, just a little bit. Um, there was a story in the 1980s about a congregational pastor who was named Hugo or Haristo kolvicek That's a hard name because he's from Bulgaria, so it's a Bulgarian name. And at that time in the 1980s, you know that was under communist rule. Well, on January 9th in uh, 1985, uh, Kolevich was arrested because, I mean, the only way that I can describe it is he was preaching without a license. Is the way that I would put it because. You know, he was not a government approved or government sent or government appointed man uh, to conduct religious services. You know, in the co- communist countries, you have to be okayed by the, the government uh, to preach uh, uh, religion or whatever. But that didn't matter uh, to uh, Kul- Kulvicek, um because he knew the savior. He knew the life saving message of the gospel. And he knew that no matter what the government might say, that message had to go forth. And uh, so he went out and he was preaching the truth that Jesus died and rose again for the sins of humanity. Well, the communist government did not like that one bit. And so they arrested him and threw him into a prison for eight months. But in prison, that didn't stop him from fulfilling the great calling that God had placed on his life. So during his time in prison, he made Christ known in every way that he could. And then when Klobacek got out of prison, this is what he wrote. He said, both prisoners and jailers asked many questions. And it turned out that we had a more fruitful ministry there than we could have expected in church. God was better served by our presence in prison than if we had been free. What Pastor Kovalchak knew was that no matter where he was, no matter what was going on in his life, good or bad, the gospel message needed to go forth. And so he knew that wherever he went, he needed to blaze a trail for the message of Christ, crucified and risen. And you know, when we talk about blazing a trail, blazing a trail means to create a path and then you mark that path for others to follow along. And Kovacek knew he needed to blaze a trail for the gospel message there in Bulgaria. When well, the passage that we're reading about today, Paul is kind of in a very similar situation because Paul is in prison. But his circumstance did not hinder the gospel from progressing and it did not hinder Paul from blazing the trail for the gospel to go forth in Rome. And now we in the 21st century, we see everything that's going on. And this world needs a message of hope and light. And there's only one message that leads to hope and light. And that's the message of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. And so we too need to blaze a trail for that gospel message to go forth. And that's not just for those who are called into ministry Those are for any and all who call Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. We are all called to blaze the gospel trails. So may we join Kolbacek, may we join Paul and others to have that burden that the gospel would go forth as such. And so we wanna read verses 12 through 18 of Philippians 1 if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read this passage. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, may we join Paul in that rejoicing that the gospel message The truth of Christ will go forth and may we be part of the group that proclaims Christ in this world and we ask it in Jesus name Amen thank you you may be seated well to give a little bit of context at the time that Paul is writing this letter he's imprisoned in Rome he's awaiting his appeal before Caesar now what he was in was technically a form of house arrest I guess you could say because the book of Acts tells us that he actually had to pay rent for staying in a house or in a room so he had to pay for his own prison in a sense but he was chained literally to a Roman soldier day in and day out this was not a short stay for Paul during this time most experts believe that Paul spent about two years uh, locked up in Rome but before this, if you remember the story in the book of Acts, Paul had spent time in Caesarea before he was sent to Rome. And they think that he had spent about two years there as well. So here he is in a four-year ordeal, a four-year imprisonment. Can you imagine being in that situation? I mean, what, what would be, you're in that situation. What would be the thoughts that would kind of, you would obsess over during that circumstance? Would the thing that be foremost uh, at the front of your mind be the injustice of all this thing? I can't believe that I am being served such injustice. Would you think about how unfair it is? Would you question your life? Would you question God? Would you question your faith? Would you just question everything? Well, what did Paul do while he was enduring this four plus year circumstance? He was thinking about how can I blaze the trail for the gospel? How can the gospel message be best served? And and so I, I want us to, if we want to call it, come to some realizations, I want us to maybe just get into the head of Paul. What was he thinking during this time? So that we can kind of take on the same mindset of what should be first and foremost in our minds, in our circumstances, whatever they might be. May we desire to blaze the trail for the gospel just as Paul blazed that trail. And so what are, what are some realizations that we have here? Well, first we see that Paul had a singular focus of mind and heart. He had a singular focus of mind and heart. So as typical for Paul, when he's writing his letters, he gives a thanksgiving and a prayer for the church. And then uh, after the, the pr- prayer and thanksgiving, what he does here is he gives them an update on his circumstances. Well, I'm still in prison. But Paul doesn't start his letter by wallowing in self-pity. Let's face it, that would probably be the normal human reaction. <sighs> I'm, still in, I'm still in prison. You know, Paul doesn't say here, well, I'm still here. I don't like it, but here I am. Instead, you know, Paul doesn't really focus on him at all. What's his, what's his comment? What does he say in, in, in verse 12? Well, hey, let me tell you something. The circumstances that I'm in, it actually is helping advance the gospel. That's the lens that he saw things through. What I'm going through is advancing the gospel. This is where Paul's mind is at. How is the gospel going forth? What is going on with the message about the risen savior? He didn't comment about his conditions. Man alive, this place is small. I gotta be chained to this guy 24 hours a day. Not at all. He didn't comment on his emotions. He didn't comment on his feelings. He didn't rail against the system. He didn't get political. Man, this this Caesar, he, he just so slow in what he's doing or anything like that. All Paul cared about, all Paul was focused on was whether the gospel was being helped or hindered. What is going on with the gospel message? And so here, this is Paul's first comment. I'm going to give thanksgiving, I'm going to give prayer. Hey, guess what? This whole prison thing, it's actually helping the gospel go forth. How many of us would be that cheerful in in prison? Hey, the gospel's going forth. That is the filter through which he processed everything. How is what I'm going through and what's happening affecting the gospel? That was his singular focus of mind and heart and even at the end of the passage you know we read something that I mean it just sounds weird maybe to our ears but Paul is like you know what I don't care how the gospel message is getting out there Christ is being proclaimed and in that I rejoice that's what it's all about that's all Paul cared for and my question to myself and then by extension to you is does that even register on our radar? Do we even think in those terms? Hey, all this stuff that's going on in my life, how is it affecting the gospel? Do Do we even think about, well, okay, how am I or my situation, how is it hindering the gospel? How is it helping the gospel? I mean, let's face it, that kind of thinking is foreign to us. Paul's main concern wasn't about the fact that he had been chained up for so many years. He wasn't having anxious thoughts about, well, when is Caesar going to bring me before him so I can plead my case? He didn't want the Philippian church to be anxious about this stuff. He said, look, I'm not worried. You don't worry. Here's what's most important. The gospel is Jesus Christ being proclaimed. Let's concentrate on that. I guess maybe to use a a more modern slang term, we could say that, I mean, Paul was in the zone. That was his zone. You know, we say someone is in the zone when they're completely concentrating on, you know, their task at hand. We often use it about uh, sports players. You know, if a football player is playing his position exceptionally well, he's getting the job done. We say he's in the zone. He's doing what he's called to do. He hasn't let anything distract him from what is most important at that time. Paul was in the zone. And he's calling all of us Christians to join him in being in that zone. What what is happening with the gospel? Now all of us wear a lot of different hats. All of us have a lot of things going on in our lives, related to family, related to jobs, related to school, related to church, related to society, and, and things like that. But whatever is going on, whatever titles we might possess, whatever positions we might hold, first and foremost, we are Christians. That is first. I am not a husband who happens to be a Christian, I am a Christian who happens to be a husband i'm not a pastor who happens to be a christian i am a christian who happens to be a pastor and so on and so forth and that means the call of christ on our lives trumps everything else that is first and foremost that means christ is most important i mean yeah we have duties we have responsibilities i mean we, we, we have to work our jobs. We have to do our school and, and, and things like that. But we can't allow that to get us out of the zone. We can be in the zone, in our job, in our school, wherever we're at. Even in the midst of fulfilling our earthly duties, we can still be in the zone. With our thought about how can the gospel advance in the midst of where I am right now, in the midst of what I'm doing right now. How can the gospel advance? That was Paul's focus of mind and heart. Yes, he was in prison. Yes, I'm sure it was not fun. But his concern was about how is the gospel going to advance where I'm at? And my prayer is that we would realign our thinking so that our mind and our heart are set and focused on how is the gospel advancing where I'm at? So that's one realization in paul's mindset another realization that will help us blaze the trail for the gospel is to cons- is, is for us to develop a sense of god's sovereignty over our circumstances develop a sense of god's sovereignty over <clears throat> excuse me our circumstances so with with paul saying in verse 12 that what happened to him really served to advance the gospel i mean he he's not just kind of resigning himself to fate or anything like that well Might as well see what what I can do while I'm here, where I'm at. I mean, he he wasn't just trying to make the best of a bad situation. He wasn't looking for a silver lining in his circumstances, things like that. Paul had this thought expressed here in our passage that, you know what? God put me here for this purpose. God has me here so that I can advance the gospel here where I'm at. Now, Paul says in verse uh, 16, which, now, now if you have an older version, King James version or New King James version, verses 16 and 17 are swapped, but verse 16 of the ESV and more modern translations says that, you know, those who support him, those who are behind him, you know, they know that he was put here for the purpose of the gospel. They know he made it known to them, I am here to defend the gospel. I'm here to proclaim the gospel. I'm here to share the gospel here in prison. And you know, he he the word that he's using is I am here for a specific purpose. God has set me in this situation for a specific purpose. Paul knew that well, it wasn't just his bad luck that ended him up in prison. God sovereignly controlled his life. And moved him so that he would be put in the place where the gospel needed to be where the gospel needed to have its effect and so since God had him there all right well God put me here I'm gonna be obedient I am going to be faithful I'm gonna advance the gospel where God put me he put me here let's advance the gospel let's defend the gospel let's proclaim Christ that is all part of God's sovereignty God has me here God is in control of where I'm at all right, let's be obedient. Let's share, let's share the gospel. Now, we, we like to talk about God's sovereignty when things are going good. Things are going great, God is sovereign, praise the Lord. But when things are going bad, well, not so much. Somehow, all of a sudden, our idea of God's sovereignty just kind of gets thrown out the window. But we have to be consistent, right? At a minimum, God allowed whatever is going on. We might not like it we may not understand it but i am in this situation and at a minimum god has allowed me to be in this situation but we have to admit whatever the situation is whatever the circumstance is, god is in control is he not over all of our every everything the good the bad the ugly and everywhere in between god is still in control god doesn't lose control all of a sudden Oh, man, I see see them going through some rough times. I wish there was something I could do about it. No, he's in control. He has all power, all authority over every circumstance. And he can use us in every circumstance to advance the gospel message. And so whatever you're going through, wherever you might be, God might have you where you are so that the gospel goes forth. Paul recognized that's why he was at where he was at. God put him there in a Roman prison or, you know, Roman lockup for, defense of the, for the defense of the gospel. And Paul, with his focus on the gospel advancement, advancement he took it, he's going to take advantage of it. Well, God put me here. I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to advance the gospel. I'm going to blaze the trail for the gospel. And here in our passage, Paul gives testimony how by God sovereignly appointing him and and, putting him in this situation of imprisonment, he, he talks about how, well, God used my situation in very neat ways to advance the gospel. Well, how? Well, first, Paul talks about how the gospel message was heard and believed upon by unbelievers. There were unbelievers who had heard and responded to the gospel. In verse 13, Paul says that the whole imperial guard And then anybody and everybody else who he came in contact with, they knew he was in prison for the cause of Christ. How did they know? Well, he made sure to tell them. Let me tell you why I'm here in prison. Think about this. So like for 24 hours a day, Paul was chained up to a Roman imperial guard. I mean, do you think that Paul would, with his mind focused on the gospel, would let an opportunity like that pass? Here I am, literally chained to someone. What are we going to do, talk about the weather? No, hey, let me tell you why I'm here. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. I mean, the guard thought that Paul was chained to him, so Paul couldn't get away, when in reality, the guard was chained chained to Paul so that the guard couldn't get away, so that he could hear the gospel message. You better believe he was going to talk this guy's ear off about Jesus Christ. Now, there's a pastor's dream, a literal captive audience that has to listen to him. You better believe any pastor in his right mind is going to take advantage of that. But then Paul says, I mean, it's not just the the imperial guard. Everybody else, I mean, this included people who were in the Roman government, people who were in the Imperial Palace. In fact, the Bible tells us that there were several in, if you wanna call it the Imperial Circle, there were several who believed in Jesus Christ. But it wasn't just the Imperials. In Acts chapter 28, it tells us that when Paul first got to Rome, the Jews who were in the city came to see you know, why Paul was there. And so Paul testified to the Jew, Jewish leaders About the kingdom of God about Christ to convince them you know he it it says that he tried to convince them from the law and the prophets about the truth uh, about Jesus Christ and it says that some were convinced so Paul's being used by God to convert Gentiles and Jews and I mean everybody others who didn't but some did so by this imprisonment by The sovereignty of God where God had placed him he saw people come to Christ I mean and Paul says it is God's sovereignty God put me here in Rome in this imprisonment so that the gospel can can reach unbelievers but that wasn't the only effect that the gospel had by him in his time in in Rome Paul says in verse 14 that believers in Rome became more confident in the Lord because of Paul's imprisonment, so they started sharing the gospel more boldly than they had before. They were able to share the gospel much more boldly. The church church in Rome said, well, I mean, look at what Paul's doing in prison. If Paul's doing that in prison, hey, guess what we can do out of prison? We can be more bold. Now, the Roman church wasn't planted by Paul. He didn't know them face-to-face until he got to Rome. He had written them a letter, obviously the book of Romans, but they knew about Paul and they knew his ministry they knew he was an apostle but because you know he wasn't one of them so to speak he wasn't one of their church members or whatever it would have been easy for them just to distance themselves to try and keep safe i mean he's in prison we we don't want any part of that we don't want to get thrown in prison ourselves they could have just easily said we don't want to stir the waters Let, let's just keep quiet keep our heads down let's just Look, do our, our little church thing and, and, and just stick together. But Paul says, look, the, the Roman church saw what Paul was going through and it emboldened them. Well, if Paul can share the gospel and he's in prison, what are we afraid of? What are, what are we doing? Let's let's go out there and share Christ, and whatever happens, we leave it in God's hands. You know, when we take the mindset that, you know what, God is sovereign over wherever I'm at, whatever's going on, we're going to see that, well, you know what, God has us where he wanted us this entire time, and God's will is going to be done, and and the gospel message is going to be done. It's when we kind of dismiss God's sovereignty over our circumstances that we kind of put a lid on the gospel, so to speak, I guess. When all we are concerned about is ourselves, when all we do is play the victim, when when it's all about me and what's happening to me and how it's unfair to me and it's all about me, then the gospel is not going to have any effect. But when we, when we remember, you know what, God is in control of what's going on right now. So, look, whatever happens, I, I'm, God's in control. Hey, let's share the gospel. Let's share Christ, let's talk about Christ. So think about where, where God has you right now, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, whatever. And now think about how God could sovereignly use you where you're at. Maybe use you so that unbelievers hear about Jesus. Maybe use you so that you are an encouragement to other believers so that they share the word of God more boldly. Yes, bad things are are happening. Bad things are happening in this world. I mean, if you look at the news and you can't figure out, boy, this world needs Jesus. I mean, I don't know what more convincing you need. Well, how are they gonna hear about Jesus if it's not us? How are they gonna hear about Jesus if it's not about us? Well, yeah, okay, our church can't win the whole world. Maybe, maybe we can. Nothing's impossible with God. Mm -hmm. But let's consider about where we are in our lives and start there, and how God has us sovereignly in the midst of that situation, whatever it might be. Okay, how does God want me to advance the gospel where I'm at? How does God want me? He put me here, he's in control. I don't know what the outcome is gonna be, but you know what, God does. So how can I advance the gospel? Let's think, let's think the same way that Paul did about this. God is sovereignly in control. And then there's one last realization, one last part of the mindset that I, I want uh, uh, us to see. So third, Paul realized that he had a scripture that is greater than any motivation. He didn't realize it, he knew it. Paul knew he had a word, a scripture that is greater than any motivation. So Paul says that his imprisonment emboldened the believers in Rome to share the gospel. But, but not everybody was sharing the gospel from pure motives. Yet there were those who were preaching the gospel with the right heart, knowing they were doing it in obedience to Christ. And they were doing it to honor Paul. Look, look at what Paul's going through, let's, let's honor him. So Paul says here, there are those who are preaching the gospel, who are sharing Christ out of goodwill. They're doing it out of goodwill. They're doing it to honor the Lord, and they're doing it to honor Paul. I mean, if Paul can do what he's doing, we can do what we need to do. I mean, you might think of it like this maybe, you know, there's this high school football team, and the star quarterback gets injured, and he's out for the rest of the season. So when the team goes into a game, they say, you know what, let's go out there and let's win this game for Jimmy or whoever, the, you know, the star quarterback is. Well, there were those in the church that said, well, we love Jesus, and we see what Paul's going through. Hey, let's go out there and preach Christ in honor of Paul, because we love Paul. And he's going through this for the gospel. We're going to go forth for the gospel. We love Jesus. We love Paul. Let's go out there and preach the gospel. They knew that Paul was limited. I mean, Paul obviously had kind of a wide berth. He was able to preach to the the guards and to others in the Roman government and then the Jews, but he was still limited. He couldn't leave the house. So here's the whole city of Rome. Well, church, let's go get the whole city of Rome. They blazed the trail for the gospel. But then there were other people. Paul says in verse 15 that there were those in the church of Rome who preached Christ out of envy and rivalry. And then in, in verse 17, 16 for the older versions, but in verse 17, he says that they proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely. They were, they were wanting to heap more affliction on Paul. They wanted to kick Paul when he was down. For whatever reason, these people set themselves up as rivals to Paul. They, they thought, well, maybe that, well, Paul's in prison. We're gonna try and turn this to our own game. Paul's in prison how can I get something out of this? But we, we, we learned something about the, these people. They're still preaching the gospel. Now this is, they're, they're preaching the true gospel, they're preaching the true Christ. They're sharing, they're sharing the truth. I mean, if these people were, were false teachers who were you know, uh, spreading a false gospel or spreading some sort of false teaching, Paul would have shut that down immediately. I mean, he did in all the rest of his letters. Book of Galatians, look, if anyone comes to you and is preaching a gospel that's different than the gospel that I gave to you, let him be accursed. And you know, in his other letters, he, he is hitting false teachers hard. Look, they're not preaching the truth, this is the truth. But he doesn't do that here. He says, yeah, they're preaching a true gospel, they're just doing it for wrong motives. They were they were preaching the gospel to advance themselves in some way, shape, or form. They thought that well, you know, maybe they, they felt jealous uh, of all the attention that Paul was getting. Well, he thinks he's an apostle, whatever. Look at so out of envy and rivalry, they want they wanted supposed glory and fame for themselves or something. So while Paul was down, so to speak, they were they were going to pour salt in that wound and. Well, we're going to preach Christ, and we're going to try and and get the glory for ourselves. We're going to take thinking that somehow Paul was doing what he was doing for his own glory. We know Paul was doing what he was doing for the glory of Jesus Christ. But these other people weren't thinking that way. Oh, it don't matter the glory of Jesus Christ. It matters about me. It matters about my own glory. And Paul was taken away from my glory. Now he's in prison. Well, I'm going to do what I can to snatch some of that away from him something along those lines um you know i guess maybe to put it into a 21st century uh twist uh it'd be like a pastor of a church who had like 50 people being jealous of a mega church pastor that had like two thousand people every week and so out of jealousy the smaller church pastor will do whatever he can to you know disparage the larger church and And if there's any hint of trouble in the larger church, they're going to do whatever they can to swoop in, stoke the fire a little bit, and see if they can steal any of the flock, right? Now, the smaller church pastor is still preaching the gospel, but he's more concerned about making himself look good, making a name for himself, making a name for the church or whatever. He didn't really have a true concern that the gospel advances. I just just want... It all for myself. And that's where these people are at with Paul. They're jealous Paul accomplished everything that Paul accomplished, and somehow they want to think that they can steal that, take that away. So their motives are completely skewed. So, what's Paul's reaction to that? Yeah, they're, here, here's some people, they're, they're preaching the gospel for true motives. They love me, they love Jesus, they want the gospel to advance. Here's these other people. They think that they're going to add to my affliction. They think that they can take something away from me. They're preaching Christ, but they're, they're doing this with a bad motive. Well, what does he say in verse 18? He's just rejoicing that the gospel message is going out there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if someone's motives are true or pretentious. I guess as the ESV says, Christ is being proclaimed. People are hearing about Jesus. Yeah, that's what matters. doesn't matter what they're trying to do to me. What matters is (laughs) even in spite of their bad motive, Jesus is being preached. Ain't that something? That's his attitude. He's rejoicing in that. But what he's indicating is that the scripture, the word that contains the gospel message is bigger than any person's motive. I mean, if the truth is getting out there, whether a person's motive is pure or not, and let's face it, no no human being's motives are ever completely pure of anything. But it doesn't matter that the word, the scripture, which is alive and powerful, it's getting out there with the truth and it's bigger than any person's motive. It doesn't matter what the motive is as long as the truth is getting out there. Just because the word of God is coming out of a mouth of someone whose motives are pretty dark It doesn't matter it doesn't nullify the word it doesn't nullify the gospel message so when scripture says that God's word won't return to him void I mean the mouthpiece through whom the word is going it doesn't matter what their motives are because the word is going to go out there and the word is going to have its work Paul didn't care about the reason that someone was preaching the gospel as long as the true gospel was being preached he was just glad that people were hearing about Jesus Now we can't read into other people's hearts now. So, you know, we gotta be careful about judging someone. Oh, they're just just doing what they're doing because of this reason or that reason, whatever. But if there's someone out there teaching a true gospel message about a true Christ, we might not like other things that are going on, but I'll tell you what, we can rejoice that the true gospel is going out there and God's word is not gonna return void. people are gonna hear about Jesus. That was what was most important to Paul. That's what the world needs. The world needs Christ. And whether people are preaching the true Christ from bad motives, I don't know. But I do know this, I'm gonna join with Paul and I'm gonna say Christ is being proclaimed. I'm gonna rejoice. Christ is being proclaimed. I'll I'll close with this thought. There were two ladies who were Christian converts from Islam and they met one another at a conference in Turkey. They became friends and they committed their lives to reaching the lost by canvassing the streets of Tehran, which is in Iran, you know. And and for three years, they sought out opportunities to obtain New Testaments and spread out the New Testaments in that city. And, and it, they, the way that the, the story is told is they wanted to spread accurate New Testaments because Islam has created a New Testament that is a false translation that has been, I don't even know if you can call it a translation, but it's, it's a New Testament that was written in a way that supposedly you know, supports Islamic teaching and Islamic theology. Well, these ladies are like, we need to get the true gospel out there. We need to get the true New Testament out there. And and, and so they they were trying to get the true New Testament out there for people to learn about Jesus instead of that, you know, government-controlled or government improved New Testament. And, and, And so they knew these lies that, Islam was spreading needed to be sub- subverted, so they, they began to traffic Bibles in. In fact, in one transport, they, they, they I mean, smuggled. They were smuggling, Let, let's face it. They, they smuggled in 3,000 Bible New Testaments at one, one time. But what they would do is they would go around Tehran with New Testaments in their backpack and they would boldly share the New Testaments and the Gospel with, with anyone that they could. And I mean, mind you, Tehran, Iran, that's like the center of Islamic hate and and, and things like that. But yet they were out there sharing, they blazed a trail for others to follow so that the gospel would go out there. And it's said that in three years, they distributed 20,000 copies of the real New Testament, the truth, so that 20,000 copies Families would have the truth, would hear the truth about Jesus. These ladies blazed a trail for the gospel. Oh, that Harvest Baptist Church would blaze a trail for the gospel in Madison, Limestone Counties, and Alabama in the United States, throughout the world. Christian, come to the altar and pray that God would change your heart in the heart of his church so that we would have that singular focus of mind and heart for the gospel. Maybe your circumstances are distracting you and so maybe you wanna come and pray that God would open your eyes to his sovereignty in the midst of your situation to see how the gospel can advance in the midst of your circumstance. There might be some here, you have never heard the true gospel message. The true gospel message is that you're a sinner and Jesus is a savior. He is God the Son who came and took on human flesh. He lived the perfect life. He fulfilled God's law. He died as a substitute for us. He took our punishment. He rose again to give eternal life. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. And if you've never believed in the true gospel, there it is. Christian, pray how you can proclaim Christ. If you're not a Christian, pray and accept Christ. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuestHBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry.